Morning, everyone. Today's reading is taken from Exodus chapter 32, and that can be found on page 90 in the Church Bibles. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountains, they gathered round Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for, the, as for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterwards, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people, whom you brought up out of Egypt, have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made it themselves an idle cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down and, sac- and they have bowed down it and sacrificed into it and have said, "These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt." I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone, so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favour of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your, dis- dis- I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of God, The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, These are the sound of the war in the camp. Moses replied, 
It is not the sound of victory. It is not the sound of defeat. It is the sound of singing that I hear. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burnt and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them into pieces at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf of the people had made and burnt it in the fire. Then he ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. He said to Aaron, What did these people do to you? And you led them into such great sin. Do not be angry, my lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone these people are to evil. They said to me, Make us gods who will go before us. And for this, his fellow, Mo- and for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So I told them, whoever has any gold jewellery, take it off. They gave, they gave me the gold and I threw it into the fire and out came this stuff. Moses saw that the people were running wild and Aaron had let them get out of control and so became a laughing stock to their enemies. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and said, Whoever it is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites rallied to him. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each man strap a sword to his side, go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbour. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and that day about 3,000 of the people died. Then Moses said, You have been set apart to the Lord today, for you were against your own son and brothers, and he has blessed you this day. The next day Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin But now I will go up to the Lord and perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now, please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. The Lord replied to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot them out of my book. Now go, lead the people to the place I spoke of, and my angel will go before you. However, when the time comes for me to punish, I will punish it. I will will punish them for their sin. And the Lord struck the people with a plague because of what they did with the calf Aaron had made. Thanks, Claire. If you've got a, a Bible, then it would be great just to keep it open there on page uh, 90. Um, this is our uh, a penultimate uh, sermon in the book of Exodus. Um, we've got uh, Harvest next week, then, then one more. Uh, but whenever we, we, we come to it, it's always rem- helpful to remember where we've come from. What, what's the, the story uh, that we've been embedding in, in and looking at? Uh, and you, you might know or remember that the very first thing is, is to remember that, that God made or took a, a people of his own. Uh, they, they left 
where they were with Joseph and the famines and came to Egypt. And then in Egypt, they, they grew and grew and grew. Uh, but then they became slaves in Egypt uh, under Pharaoh. Uh, and the Lord saw them, uh, saw their slavery, had compassion on them, and said, I'm going to save you by my mighty hand. Uh, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, he, he sent the, those ten plagues uh, to force Pharaoh's hand, and Pharaoh kept saying no, until finally that, that last plague of the, the death of the firstborn, and the, the blood of the lamb to take the place. And then with that, uh, Pharaoh uh, said, go. Uh, and the people left uh, Egypt uh, and they went, got to the Red Sea. Uh, and at that moment, the Lord parted the Red Sea uh, and saved the people uh, as they went through. Uh, he uh, birthed this nation, if you will. They, they came through the sea and they were uh, a nation. Uh, and then uh, he, he gave them his law. He said, look, uh, this is what it means to be my people. This is what it means to have a relationship with me. This is the, uh, what we called the, the covenant, uh, that agreement with promises. Uh, and the, the law was the, sort of the covenant document, uh, the thing that established what was going on. Uh, and then he, he gave the tabernacle, uh, this way about which uh, God was able uh, to reside with his people. And right in the middle of that, uh, we get this chapter 32 And it's just a bit of an interruption. It just comes quite suddenly, uh, interrupting the narrative, the tale of the golden calf. So let's pray uh, as we begin. Father, we thank you uh, for the story of your word. Thank you that it's not just a story, it's a story of your real workings and real history. And Father, we pray that as we just look at this morning... Uh, You may help us to understand what's going on, but actually uh, to see ourselves uh, and to see actually how it relates to us uh, and shows us who we are and who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Verse 1. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who go before us. As for this fellow Moses... Who brought us up out of Egypt? We don't know what's happened to him. Moses has been gone for about 40 days. He's been up the mountain for about 40 days. I suppose in some respects it's a long time, in other ways it's not. But in that small period, the people have just decided that, that Moses has abandoned them. Like, where's he gone? He's probably cleared off. And if, if Moses has cleared off, well, the Lord's probably cleared off as well. That we want a replacement. That we want somebody to stand in his stead. That we need to know that somebody is with us. So they, they gather around Aaron. Now, and that sense of gathering is, is more like mob. It's that sort of, kind of aggressive sort of people coming around. So come, Aaron, do something. And Aaron uh, complies. Uh, he does it. He says, verse 2, Take off the gold earrings your wives, your sons, your daughters are wearing. Bring to me. The people took them off and, uh, and they hand to Aram and he uh, cast it into the fire. Uh, and then he fashioned it, it with a tool, a calf. He made with a tool a calf. Uh, and he said, oh, this is the, the gods that brought you out of Egypt. This is the gods that did this. 
Now, at the beginning, we, we, the sense almost is that the people want to completely replace God, uh, breaking uh, the Ten Commandments, the First Commandment, have no other God but me. And Aaron almost sort of going, well, you can't do that. But what we could do is maybe we could make an idol that's sort of representative of God. So we're not going to break the first commandment. Instead, we're going to break the second. Don't make yourself an idol. And Moses is, is clear that, that this is made. You know, when Moses writes this, he says, fashioning it with a tool. It's a deliberate, it's, it's, it's deliberate action to make this. And they gather this idol, and Aaron makes this, um, uh, this calf. Now, it says calf, and we obviously automatically think of baby cow, but, but calf doesn't have to have that meaning. It, it, it probably more likely actually meant a, a larger cow, maybe a, a bull, uh, representing uh, strength and fertility. Uh, and then once this uh, is complete, Aaron says, you know, these are the gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Then verse 5. When Aaron saw this, he, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there'll be a festival to the Lord. Uh, tomorrow uh, we're going to have a festival. And then verse 6 is some sort of bad parody. Verse 6. The next day, the people rose early, sacrificed burnt offerings, and presented fellowship offerings. If you've been with us in Exodus, you, you, you might remember uh, chapter 24 um, earlier uh, and verse, uh, verse 5. This, is, this is when Moses and the Israelites are before the Lord. And it says, 24 verse 5, Then he sent young Israelite men and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings. And then again, we continue verse 6 here. So they've done offerings, and afterwards uh, they sat down to eat and drink. Uh, chapter 24, uh, verse 11. But God did not raise his hand against the leaders of Israel. They saw God and they ate and drank. Uh, there's this mirror parody, this image of what's going on. There's these offerings, there's eating and drinking. And then again, there's offerings, eating and drinking. But there's one extra thing that's mentioned here. They got down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. That word revelry really um, has got the weight behind it of sort of a, an orgy, a big sexual orgy, which was pretty common uh, in sort of worship of fertility gods. And it's not surprising, uh, because idols have no morals. They can't say anything. Uh, they don't do anything. Uh, they let you do what you want. And that's what the people wanted to do. And it's awful. What's going on here is awful. Just notice what they're doing. Um, firstly, they are replacing God. They're saying, you know, the Lord who made heaven and earth, the, the, the living Lord who delivered them out of Egypt, well, we don't want you anymore. Instead, we want this created 
idol that has no no life in itself. The the Lord uh, gives life that this idol had to be made. They're replacing God. Uh, But then secondly, uh, they're remaking God. They remade God. They're saying, you know, this is what the Lord says and does, but actually this is what we think the Lord would like. This is what we think or we want the Lord to be like. This is the Lord who is acceptable to us. And so by replacing God and remaking God, uh, they're robbing God of his glory. Uh, They're saying, look, um, you know, you, Lord, aren't the one who took us out. It was this calf that did. You know, any university, that's just plagiarism. And this is on a far, far bigger scale. Uh, they're robbing God of his glory. They're saying, no, Lord, you didn't do it. Uh, th- th- this God over here did. And they're not simply robbing God of his glory. They're actually robbing themselves of life. They're saying... Actually, we don't want the Lord who gives life. We'd rather have uh, this thing over here that can do nothing. It's, it's just folly. It's just utter folly. To, to swap the Lord for an idol, to, to remake the Lord in the image of an idol, it is just awfully, awful folly. Now, someone said, actually, to... To give you an idea of what it's doing, it's like, it's like having an affair on your honeymoon. It's that level of horrid. And that's what sin is. But I guess most of us, we, we're not really in danger of, of saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave the Lord God at home and I'm going to go you know, worship this little gold statue of Zeus or something. I mean... We're not going to do that. But actually, we could very easily replace God for something that's been made. It might not be a physical being, but it might be something, an idea, a value. Just to help us think about it, fill in this blank. You know, I will be happy and content when... Dot, 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 dot. How do you fill that sentence in? I'll be happy and content when, uh, when I'm retired, when uh, I'm healthy, uh, when my children are settled and have good jobs. All of those things can be good things. Of course, of course they can. But the second we take a, a, a good thing and make it a God thing, we're just doing that exact same swap. The second we say a good thing, which could be wanting well for your kids, but saying, the moment I have that, that's when I'll be happy, uh, well then swapping what the Lord is for something that's been made. And it's just folly. It's just folly. We replace God and we remake God. We replace God for something else we remake him and say this is what makes me happy therefore this is what would make Jesus happy we just uh, sort of project our own values our own thoughts and feelings upon the Lord God and say well that's what God must be like and to do that is to rob God of his glory 
and to rob ourselves of life. We might think that it's good and brings life, but actually it won't. We replace God and we remake God and ultimately it won't do us any good. Because robbing God of his glory is serious. At verses 9 and 10, the Lord speaking to Moses says, I've seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, that they're stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and I may destroy them, that then I'll make you into a great nation. You see, so serious is this uh, robbing of the Lord that actually uh, the Lord is saying it is deserves of death. Now, we're going to come back to this idea a bit later. But the Lord is justified in saying that. The Lord is justified in saying that. But I said we'll come on to that in a moment. But also there's more going on here than I think meets the eye. Because if the Lord just wanted to do that, he would just do it. Why go to the effort of telling Moses, this is what I'm going to do? I think at this moment, we've just seen humanity at their worst. And it's as if the Lord wants to draw out humanity at its best, to draw out Moses. He's saying, look, Moses, this is what I'm going to do. And unless you want to say something, Moses? It's that moment. And so uh, Moses then, verses 11 to 14, 11 to 13, prays. He prays. And actually, he, he prays in line with who God is. He just simply repeats the same promises that the Lord has made. He says, Lord, look, don't do that because of your promises you've made to your people. That you said that you're going to make them into a great nation to give them the land. Keep your promise. Uh, you said, Lord, that, that you were going to do this so that the world would know how great you are. Don't do this. Remember your promises. Remember your reputation. And then verse 14. The Lord relented and did not bring his people the disaster he'd threatened. So is this, is this a man, Moses, changing the Lord's mind? I don't think so. We know from other parts of the Bible that the Lord does not change, that he is the same. Uh, Rather, the Lord, in a a slightly mysterious way, is using Moses' prayers to accomplish his purposes. He's using them to to demonstrate uh, to the whole world that actually God's people need a mediator, someone to stand in before them to take the place between them and God. Uh, But he's also using it to publicly to show that even in those moments when we absolutely deserve it, he will always be faithful to his promise. When we break our word, he will not break his. And so with that, Moses then turns and goes down at the mountain. And as, as he goes down, he he feels what the Lord feels. He sees the scene before him. Uh, and so when he does, he, uh, he, he throws the tablets down and breaks them. 
uh, which I, I guess is, is both sort of in representative, representative is anger, but also remember it, the tablets are the covenant document, the agreement between the people. So as he throws it down, that document is just completely broken. Uh, symbolizing that God's people have not done what they promised. Uh, he grinds down uh, the golden calf uh, into dust just to show them that it's an idol, that it's nothing. Uh, he puts it into the water so they drink it. Why? Well, because then it's going to have to come out again to show them that actually their idol is nothing but vomit or excrement. Their idol is worthless. And then he speaks to Aaron and this comical almost, comical verse 24. Aaron says, oh, so I I told them, whoever has any gold jewellery, take it off. They gave the gold and I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. It's not my fault, Gov. Remind you of anything? Genesis chapter 3, verse 11. Verse 12, sorry. Uh, The man said, the woman you put here, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Verse 13. The woman said, the snake deceived me and I ate it. It's the same blame game. The same blame game. As a new nation, a new birth nation, same problem. And actually, all of this is still going on. Verse 25. uh, The people... We're running wild. After all of this, the people are still running wild. And then we get to verse 26 to 29, which we find hard, I think. We find hard because we sort of sense of, well, why is that fair? And then the first thing to say is that actually, remember we said way back when, Oh, way, not way back, a few minutes ago. Um, the sense that actually that, that God is justified in bringing that judgment. You see, we, we don't fully appreciate how serious sin is. That actually to, to rob the living God, to say he is not God, to turn our back upon him and say we don't, not simply, uh, you know, no thank you, but actually we've got something better, is committing treason against the true and living God, the one who made us. That actually sin is so serious that it deserves death. And when we say that, I don't say that lightly, but I say that as, the, as what the Lord God says. That the one who, who made everything. That Jesus Christ, the kindest man that ever lived, is the one that spoke most about God's judgment. Uh, that, you might have a question about that. If you do, chat to me afterwards, but also why not come to Alpha? Ask your questions. They're big questions. Investigate them for who they are, what they are. Uh, but also in this moment, re- remember that actually the whole people did this. So this 3,000 number is actually a relatively small number. There's mercy in the fact that the number was limited. And secondly, um, do you remember they all had the option to not come? Verse 26, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. They had a choice. 
You see, this is meant to show us that sin is serious. And then lastly, after this account, Moses goes again to make atonement for the people. Verse 30. He said, you've committed a great sin, but now I'll go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement, sort of make things right, make at one with the people. He recognises they still have a debt. He wants to stand in, which is a, a, a noble, sort of messianic trait thing to do. The problem is, he can't do it. He can't, because he himself has a debt. You can't pay somebody else's debt if you are in debt yourself. We need a mediator who's able to stand in for us and atone. If I was to sit down now, this would be the worst sermon ever. How sad a situation it would be to declare that we've got this massive problem of this debt of sin. We need someone to do it. Let's hope someone can. But the good news that we've been seeing time and again through Exodus is that actually that this is all helping us to understand the Lord's message He took a people of his own. He he saved them. Uh, He birthed them into a nation. He gave them his law, knowing that that was not enough. Knowing that simply saying, you you go that way, wasn't going to be, they couldn't do it. He needs us to understand that we cannot save ourselves, that it is not enough. He needs to understand that his, his determination to keep his promises was always there, even when we make mistakes, even when we mess up even when we're foolish and run after an idol. So that at just the right time, when his true mediator came, the one who was fully God, so fully man, shall I say, who could fully engage with the people, was also fully God, who could truly straddle that divide, who could stand in for his people. The one who had no debt, who had no sin. The one who, as the Lord says here, I would not blot out of the book. Whoever has sinned against me will blot out of my book. Well, the Lord Jesus won't be blotted out. But the one who actually pays that debt in, his, in blood, but not the blood of a lamb or an animal, but his own blood... The one who, because of that, literally swapped places so that the one who should be blotted out wasn't and the one who shouldn't was. The one who says, now I will write my law not on stone tablets but on your heart. The one who says, I won't live with you in a tabernacle, I will live with you by my spirit in you. The one who was blotted out who had committed no sin. 
Exodus 32 just shows us the, the folly of idols, that, it, that you're turning your back on the true and living God, that actually to turn your back on, on the one who poured himself out for you to give life, to follow over something here is just foolish. Don't do it. It's not, it robs God, and indeed it robs you. It's serious because you're, you're committing treason against God, but also it's serious because it's not going to work. And then we see the immense love of Jesus who comes in as the true mediator who takes foolish ones like me and makes them his children. If that's completely alien to you, why not ask those questions? Come chat to me after, chat to Nick. Come on, Alpha. Because they're really important questions to ask. And if it's not, if it's something that, you, that you, aren't, you are familiar with, then let's again hold on to Christ and think actually that's only where true life is found. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that you, because of the person of Jesus, you don't treat us as we deserve. Thank you for your great love. And Lord, we pray that we may cling to you as our only source of life and love. Turn away from those things, those good things, but not God things, and turn to you. In Jesus' name, amen.